Wendy Bagwell used to say, if that don't light your fire, your wood's wet. Amen. Got a problem. Um, thank God for grace. Amen. I'm glad that when he wrote John 3.16 down that he had me in mind. Hallelujah. I'm glad that it means me. And I'm glad that it means you. Joshua chapter number 8 this morning. Look of Joshua chapter number 8. We're going to begin to read with verse number 1. Joshua chapter 8, beginning to read with verse number 1. We are thankful that the Lord's blessed us one more day to come into the house of the Lord. Psalmist said, I was glad when they said unto me, let us go into the house of the Lord. We ought to be thankful. It's for many of us, for myself and for many of us. We come here a lot of times out of habit, not out of want. We come because it's Sunday rather than it's the Lord's day. And I'll be honest with you, that's a that's a, a a situation we get into after years of repetition, without our heart being in anything. God help us, we can have our heart, we can have our heart in this thing today. We're not here just out of repetition, but we're here because it's the Lord's day. We ought to worship Him. And he that God is a spirit, and they that worship Him must worship Him in spirit and in truth. A lot of times we show up, let's say amen right here, a lot of times we show up and we don't offer one little bit of worship unto the Lord. There's no worship at all given because we must worship Him in spirit and in truth. God help us today, we could come and worship the precious Lord, the one that to give us everything we have today, especially the privilege to be in the house of God this day. Joshua chapter number 8, beginning to read with verse number 1. If you found your place and you're able, would you stand? Because it's God's Word that we're reading this morning. It's not mine, but it's God's. And I'm glad that He's entrusted me with the Bible, that I can have the precious Word of God this day. Joshua chapter number 8, and beginning to read with verse number 1. The Bible said, In the Lord said unto Joshua, Fear not, neither be thou dismayed. Take all the people of war with thee, and arise, and go up to Ai. See, I have given into thy hand the king of Ai, and his people, and his city, and his land. And thou shalt do to Ai and to her king, as thou didst unto Jericho and her king, only the spoil thereof, and the cattle thereof shall ye take for a prey unto yourselves. Lay thee an ambush for the city behind it. Verse 3. So Joshua arose and all the people of war to go up against Ai. And Joshua chose out 30,000 mighty men of valor and sent them away by night. And he commanded them, saying, Behold, Ye shall lie in wait against the city, even behind the city. Go not very far from the city, but be ye all ready. And I and all the people that are with me will approach unto the city. It shall come to pass, when they go out against us at the first, that we will flee before them. For they will come out after us till we have drawn them from the city. They will say, they flee before us as at the first. Therefore, we will flee before them. 
Then ye shall rise up from the ambush and seize upon the city. For the Lord your God will deliver it into your hand. And it shall be when ye have taken the city that ye shall set the city on fire according to the commandment of the Lord shall ye do. See, I have commanded you. Father in heaven, thank you for the privilege that I come able to come before you this morning. Thank you for my Bible, for the precious Word of God. Thank you, God, for the hope that we can have in this substance that we have in God's Word today. Thank you, dear God, for the privilege to preach it this morning. And God, I ask you for Holy Ghost unction as I come. God, I don't want to just stand up here and be a performer. God, you know my heart. That's not within my desire at all. God, I'd like to have the power of God rest upon me and you anoint me with the presence of God and God help me to preach your word in the demonstration of the Holy Ghost of God. I pray, Father, that it could be words that would address, that would address our hearts and that would arrest our spirits today. God help us to have our minds called in from this world and God to set them upon what thus saith the word of God. Lord God, would you make a difference here today? God, in every heart, and Lord, those of us that are saved, help us, dear God, that we could rise up from the things that so easily beset us. And, and dear God, we could run with patience the race that's set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before Him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is now set down at the right hand of, of the throne of God. And then, Father, for those that are lost today, I pray, God, You can make an eternal difference in their life. God, this very day, would You send the Holy Ghost to God to convict them of their sin. God, it's going to take You. It's not going to take me. God, I have no power within myself. But God, You work in secret places. And You work, God, when I'm not even aware You're working. And I pray this morning, God, You're already at work. Would You help those that are lost to be saved? Bless our church. Help us, God. Help everyone that said pray for me. We'll be careful to praise you. For it's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. And amen. Thank you. You can be seated. We have read the first eight verses of Joshua chapter number eight. We find out when we left chapter seven that we, uh, we find out that there had been a great tr a problem, great uh, trespass take place in, in the land of Israel amongst the people of God. And how that the... Uh, that we've spent the last two weeks prior today uh, preaching from the seventh chapter, talking on the subject of sin. We talked about the sin of not seeking when we looked at Joshua not seeking the Lord before he went to Ai. We we talked about how that he when he went before Jericho he looked toward the the Ark of the Covenant of God and and he sought the uh, the man of God. He, he he stood before the captain of the host of the Lord's army and on that day and. And well, Joshua sought God before he went to Jericho. But when he went to Ai, he didn't really pay a whole lot of attention. He was on the, on the, uh, the edge of a victory. He had just came off a, a victorious moment. God had given them a, a great things. And he never really considered uh, uh, what it, whether it was God's will or not uh, for him to go. We talked about how that it is a sin uh, for us to go throughout life without ever seeking the will of God. We ought to seek His will. We ought to seek what His desire is for us in our life. Then last week we looked at the subject of just sin. We talked about the sin of Achan. How that it affected not only his, uh, him, uh, 
but it affected his brethren, how it affected his family, how it affected his foes, how that the sin of Achan would affect each individual. We didn't. It wasn't a rafter swinging time last week because that many times our sin gets called into question, and we don't mind being preached on a whole lot of things. But really don't get on my sin, amen. And that's the way a whole lot of us, whether we realize that or not, that's the way a whole lot of us look at life. We do not want our sin mentioned. We don't want to be called out. We don't, and it's not the preacher calling out the sin. It's God the Holy Ghost, amen. It's God the Holy Spirit that calls out our sin. And if we can sin willfully, if we can sin without regret, if we can sin without remorse, we've got a problem that goes deeper than what I can see. All right, if you can, if you can do that. But now, today, we find that in the in the eighth chapter, in the first verse, uh, that we switch gears a little bit. I'm amazed at this thing uh, because, uh, first of all, there would be no Christian that's available or that's able uh, to, to truthfully say that there's never been a time in your life that you didn't suffer defeat. Uh, the children of Israel just come off of a defeat; they had just been whipped by a very, uh, uh, really not a dominant land or city at all. God's people, God's army, God's men that had stood at time and time again and had, had, had witnessed victory after victory. And here they have gone up against a little bitty city and they were, they were defeated handily. They were defeated uh, uh, with, without doubt. They were sent running back to the camp of Israel uh, because of their sinfulness and, and sin in their life. We've all faced times. And we've all had times that, we, that we've failed God miserably. Now you may not want to talk about it and you may not want to admit to it, but somewhere in your heart of hearts you know that there's been miserable failures in your life. And many times, you know, most of us will replay our failures over and over in our heads for the rest of our lives. Any of you been, been habitual about that? Have, have, that had, had failures in your life? And, uh, and that, that failure keeps coming up, to, uh, coming up in your life when you, uh, that, that, that when you, at the moment you try to do something at the most for God, it seemed like that failure that you've had in the past gets brought back to your attention. Isn't that an amazing thing how that works? Uh, that, that, that those scars that we have from things that we've done in our foolish times, those things that we've done that we have utmost regret over, that at times that, uh, that when we want to get nearer to God than we've ever been, uh, that when we want to advance spiritually toward God, we're reminded of our past failures. If God give us the help this morning, I want to preach on the subject uh, this morning of rising from a fall. Rising from a fall. That's what we see here this morning in the, in the Scripture. I was amazed when I began to read this and let the Lord speak to my heart about some things. I, I, I've kind of, you know, I read behind other guys about this, read other commentaries, and, and nobody else I, I read in the commentary even went this way at all concerning this. But, and I'm not, I don't, I'm not saying I'm taking it out of context because I believe I'm right in context. I believe I'm right in line with what God would have, have us say today. 
Now sometimes when we have these situations come in our life, when we advance spiritually and then those, uh, when we're trying to get nearer to God and those things we're reminded of our past are brought back to us, sometimes that comes about by the devil. Our enemy, our adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion walketh about seeking whom he may devour. If he can keep you from advancing toward God, then he'll use whatever means possible to keep you from doing that. I know of folks that deal with doubt in their life. They doubt their salvation. They doubt whether or not that they've, uh, that they've ever been born again because they think that there was something they had to do in order to get saved on their self. And let me tell you something. I know this by experience. At any time when you have your faith uh, entrusted in God and when you have your faith set solid on the Lord and you begin, Brother Philip, to try to get nearer to the Lord, don't you think for one second the devil won't bring back up in your mind or where you once doubted him and whether you once questioned whether or not uh, that the Lord was really your Savior, he'll bring that to your attention so to do what? Uh, to cripple your faith and keep you from advancing. That's what he'll do uh, to bring you to the place where that you uh, that you 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 you've uh, you cannot advance toward God. Sometimes our adversary does this, and other times our flesh does this. Uh, our flesh will is easily reminded of our failures. I've told a lot of people a lot of times. I remember the day I was told myself by my pastor at one time as I had went back and were beginning to defeat myself and whip myself real good. And I'm talking about beginning to think about my past failures. I was trying to get nearer to God. And then all of a sudden uh, that, that, that it, my, my mind was occupied by a time in which that, uh, that I had failed God. And, and, I had, uh, and I remember telling my preacher about it. He said, son, did you ask God to forgive you for that? I said over and over and over and over. He said that God's forgave you the first time you asked Him. He said, now what you've got to do is forgive yourself. And that was a good day when, in my life when I figured out that I had to forgive myself so I could go on for God. God knows I'm full of failures. God knows I'm full of mistakes. God knows I fail and I've fallen at times. Uh, but let me tell you something. Uh, there's never been a time uh, that God has ever brought to my attention my past failures that have been under the blood. Y'all okay with that? Some of you act like y'all. Some of you don't know where you're at right now or something. There's never been a time that God's ever brought back your past failures. God never has thrown them back in your face and said, oh, look what you've done. Notice what he said in verse number 1 here, and I was amazed to see this. And the Lord said unto Joshua, Fear not, neither be thou dismayed. Take all the people of war with thee, and arise and go up to Ai, colon. There's a colon right there. Then he said, See, comma. Look here. I want you to notice something. I have given unto thine hand the king of Ai and his people and his city and his land. I want you to notice something. Did he say, I will give? It had already been accomplished, hadn't it? What did he mean by saying that right there, Brother R.J.? He, he, this is the last time that I believe God ever brought to Joshua's attention. Joshua, you're, here's where you failed before. Joshua, I had already given you Ai before you ever went to Ai the first time. It was already yours. See? I have given you the king of Ai. Now listen, 
this morning when we talk about rising from the fall when we talk about this uh, in chapter 7 and verse number 26 remember this uh, that the Bible said so the Lord turned from the fierceness of his anger what did that mean? it meant the Lord had accepted what had taken place in Israel and he was satisfied with it the Lord turned from the fierceness of his anger he was no longer in judgment toward Israel anymore. I find in Hebrews 10, 17 uh, that, that he said, In their sins and their iniquities will I remember no more. God said that I'm not one that sets and holds uh, your iniquities over your head and your sins over your head. When they're confessed... Uh, I believe he, he tells us a little later and I'll probably go uh, there. When, when they're confessed, he casts them into the sea of forgetfulness. Uh, they're thrown as far as the east is from the west. Uh, that's what God does. That's what his capability of is. Uh, listen, so, uh, so we need to understand this, that, that we understand that, that this allows us to know that God is satisfied when we seek his uh, forgiveness and when he forgives. How do I know that he forgives me. I'm glad you asked that. First John 1 and 9 said this, If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. But preacher, you don't know what I've done. It don't matter what you've done. It don't matter where you've been. It don't matter what roads you've trodden. I'm telling you, if you've confessed it to a holy God, He said, I'm faithful and I'm just and I forgive your sins I'll cleanse you from all unrighteousness boy ain't that, a, ain't that a good thing that ought to make the most dry Baptists want to run a lap amen it ought to make us want to shout the house down listen to know that the Lord said he'd forgive us God never desires us to dwell on our failures but to learn from them and then forsake them before we can defeat those things though there's some things we need to do and they're written plainly in the Word of God in the book of Joshua. And I want to look at just a few of them this morning of what it takes to rise from the fall. First of all, we find that before we could rise from the fall, that we in the process of it, we had to rise, arise from defeat. Notice what he said here. And the Lord said unto Joshua, Fear not, verse 1, Neither be thou dismayed. Take all the people of war with thee and arise. I looked at those times. You can, if you read this whole chapter, you'll find the Lord said that several times. And arise, or rise up, or, or move up, or get up. He was telling them several times, You can't stay where you were. You can't stay in the situation that you're in. You can't stay in the place that you're in. Arise, get up, and let's do something. It means uh, the word arise there means to become powerful. God's way of dealing with failure and our way of dealing with failure is vastly different. After Israel dealt with us with the sin, God was satisfied with their dealing with sin. He never said, now look what you've done. Remember why you done this back then. That's the way we do our youngest. Amen. Y'all, y'all with me? Y'all okay? You remember how I treated you? You remember what you done back yonder? Why ain't you glad God don't ever do that? 
Ain't you glad God said, I don't remember. What did you do back yonder? I don't remember it, didn't you? You must have asked me forgiveness for that. You see, because you've held it over your own head, you think that God's holding it over your head as well. Oh no, God don't work that way because Satan holds it over your head. You seem to think that God's holding it there. Oh no, Satan's a liar. He's the father of lies and he can't tell the truth. But God said that he cannot lie. Hallelujah. His only remark was, see, I've given into thine hand the king of Ai. That's the last remark that may have been reminded Joshua of his failure. Joshua knew that he had failed. Don't you think so? I believe he did. And God knew that Israel had failed. Don't you believe that? And Israel knew that they had failed. And they knew that they had suffered defeat. But there was no need for God to bring back up their past failures to further degrade them. When past failures are brought to our attention, it's often brought by our adversary to slow our progress in the Lord. Luke chapter 9 verse 62. The Bible says this, And Jesus said unto unto him, No man having put his hand to the plow and looking back is fit for the kingdom of God. Remember that God said, that God says, I'll remember them no more. In Psalm 103 and verse number 12, the Bible said there that the Lord would remove our sins as far as the east is from the west. That's what he said. So we need to arise from defeat. When we've been defeated, when we've fallen, when we've made mistakes, the problem is when we have that remorse, remorse is not bad. The Bible said in 2 Corinthians chapter 7, For godly sorrow worketh repentance unto salvation, not to be repented of, but the sorrow of the world worketh death. Hey, godly sorrow is a good thing. I'm glad for the Holy Ghost that lives within me that makes me sorry for my sinfulness. But when it shows up and when I repent of that, then let me tell you, sir, and when that sin is forgiven uh, that it's remembered no more that we need to go on about the business get back in the road uh, get back uh, and begin to plow don't look back at what you used to do you can't plow straight that way Angela's granddaddy brother Dave he, uh, he loved the garden he, he, he'd get out there and he'd stomp around barefoot in the road uh, all the time and he'd tell you this I didn't have much experience on a tractor when I started coming down there very much. But he wanted me to plow some. And I got on that thing. He said, now Bill, he said, you see that yonder? And he had pointed an object right down through there. I'd say, yes, sir. He said, the whole time you stay in that, you stay in that direction. You keep your eye on that thing right there. Don't you look back. I'll holler at you if the disc goes comes up. If the plow gets, it gets out of I'll holler at you then. But you keep your eye on that mark. And don't you take your eye off that mark. And you go and you plow straight. Boy, that's a good lesson. The scripture I quoted in prayer this morning, the Bible tells us in Hebrews that looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before Him endured the cross, despising the shame, is now set down at the right hand of the throne of God. Listen to me, I want you to know that what we need to do 
is not look back at the past failures that we have not look back at how we've messed up not look back at the mistakes we've made not look back at all the things that we've done certainly learn from them but we need to set our eyes on the Lord Jesus and we need to plow in that direction and move in that direction because we've risen from the fall let's not fall back again rise from defeat number two what we see is Joshua rose to dedication. Verse number three, he said, And Joshua arose. And Joshua arose. There was no hesitation. I hear the Lord tell, give Joshua instructions in verses one and two. In verse three, Joshua's a getting up. There wasn't no hesitation in what he was doing. There was, uh, there was no, uh, uh, no hesitation from him arising from the place he had been and getting back into the fight the way God had planned it to be in the beginning. You see, he didn't say, but God, they whipped us back last time we went to Ai. God knew very well what had happened. God knew that Joshua knew what had happened. God knows what's happened in your life. He, know, he knows that, you've, that you may have made mistakes, but he's not bringing them up before you. He knows what grace you need. And he said, my grace is sufficient for you. Listen, you can make it. You can do this. You can go on. I'll be with you. I'll never leave you. Neither will I forsake you. Understand that we need to arise and arise in a dedicated manner being faithful to the way of God he did not arise and beat at the air that ain't what he did but he arose with a purpose the Bible said Joshua chose out 30,000 mighty men of valor first of all he arose with the purpose of accomplishing a victory y'all remember how many he sent the first time Huh? How many of y'all remember the first time? How many, how many soldiers he sent to Ai? Anybody? 3,000? 3,000 soldiers. <laughs> what is the difference? About 27,000. He sent 30,000 this time. What is the, what is the significance of this preacher? Well, I'll tell you what it was. The first time he went to Ai, kind of half heartedly. Woo! First time he kind of done this thing kind of with half a heart. But now he's going not half-heartedly, but he's going with all in, buddy. He arose with a with a purpose. He's going there to win the battle and to win the victory. He's not uh, holding anything back, but he's going there with a purpose in his life. Many of us go about our Christian life with no purpose. We go about our life from day, we don't have any purpose, we don't care. You see, we don't have no desire to be any nearer to the Lord a week from now than what we are today. Y'all might as well look at me and say, or something anyhow. Because we go through our life in such a ho-hum manner. We go through our life with, oh, God bless me if you can. But listen, any of us go to work, and, and you know, you work six months, a year, two years, three years, and you don't get a pay raise. You know what? Somebody's going to, we're going to go to the, the, the boss man and say, hey, I, I think I need a little raise here. <laughs> Why is that? Because we got ambitions. We got desires. We want, well, preacher, the cost of living. Well, I'm going to tell you the cost of living for Jesus goes up too, buddy. The cost of living for the Lord goes up. The Lord increases things in your life. He'll increase your coast. He'll make things bigger. What we need to do is run closer to Him. And you can't do it if you live in a half-hearted manner. 
half-heartedly. Ain't going to work. Joshua went half-heartedly the first time, but this time he said, I'm all in, buddy. He arose with a purpose. Uh, B, not only did he arise with a purpose, but he arose with passion. In verse number 4, he tells them here, and he commanded them, saying, Behold, ye shall lie and wait against the city, even uh, behind the city. Go not very far from the city. Listen to the last statement. But be ye all ready. I want you ever one to be in this thing. I want you everyone to be ready. I want y'all to be be prepared. I want you to be ready because uh, uh, you got to have passion. I want you to have a passion when you go here. How many of us go through our life spiritually without a passion to be nearer to God? We're not going to do this in a manner of insignificance, but with our hearts ready for victory. We're into revival next Sunday. We'll... Uh, next week we'll, or not this coming week, but the next week we'll enter into revival time. And, and I, I, many of us are coming right now. Look at me. Put your eyes on preacher right now. Many of you hadn't put any effort in, at all into revival already. You ain't prayed none. You ain't cried none. You ain't wept none. You ain't begged God for nothing. You, had, uh, you just want somebody to come and bless you if he can. That's all you're wanting. And you're expecting God to do big things in that manner. I'm telling you, you're spitting again into the wind and you're beating in the air because that way will never work. We can't get nothing from God on a free this thing of this free lunch deal from God. I'm telling you, this welfare mentality the church has today. You just give me, give me, give me, and I'm not going to do anything for it. Uh, just give me, bless me, Lord, bless me. That's kind of the way the children of Israel went to Ai. Uh, we've done, we're not going to put a whole lot in it. We're not going to put a whole. We're not going to invest anything. But God, you give us the victory. They had to invest something when they went the second time. They went with a passion. See. They arose with a plan. Verses 5 through 8, we read the plan there. That we read the plan that Joshua had. We've we read it already. He told them that aren't you 30,000 men to go around back of the city Ai he said and the rest of them that I got with me we're going to come to the front of the city and when we come to the front they're going to come up against us and we're going to do like we did the last time and we're going to turn and run to start with and when all of them flee the city they're going to chase after us and they're going to say they're doing just like they did last time running from us and when the city's emptied you go in and you set it on fire you go in there and you set it on fire his plan was to dedicate the forces of God against him. He said, I'm telling you what I'm going to do. I'm out, I got a plan. He didn't want the scars of their past failures to hinder what God had already given unto them. He didn't want the half-hearted approach this time. He wanted to accomplish victory without suffering defeat and he knew he could because God had already said that he could have the victory. The problem is that how many people would want to rise up from the fall. Many of us like living in the fall. We like the pity of the fall. We like the pity of being down and out. And oh, woe is me. So many times I get to hear it and I, I, you say, preacher, I, you ain't talking about me. Possibly could be. Probably are. We get to hear of every failure, of everything you've done. And you, don't, you don't hear about any victories in your life. Don't hear about anything good that you're doing. Any way that God's blessed you. And if it was all about how, how bad things were all the time, and I never hear about the good things of God, hey, listen to me, surely you'd be dead by now. If God never had blessed you with nothing, God never had been good to you with anything, surely you wouldn't still be alive. I'm telling you, a friend, we dwell on those things that happen to us are bad, and we don't give Him glory when we have the victory. 
We don't give him the victory or give him glory when we have the victory. Joshua said they arose with a plan. We've seen to arise, he rose with dedication. We see, number one, he arose from defeat. Number two, he rose to dedication. Number three, he said, I want to arise to de- from destruction. Verse number seven and eight, then he said, Then sh- ye shall rise up from the ambush and seize upon that city. Seize upon the city. Where they had failed and fallen before, they were going to arise this time. In the same place that the 36 men got smitten, Joshua said, we're going to get victory right there in that place this time. The same place that we've suffered defeat before, we're going to stand up and get victory right here. At times that we've settled down and we've set in and we've allowed the world to whip us, we're fixing to stand in the face of the world now. We're going to show God's bigger than the world. Arise from the destruction. I've heard of people like the guy that wrote Amazing Grace. You know the story how that his family had sent his family uh, over before him and they got there and, and the boat sank and, and, all, all, when he, and he told the people when he went over some time later, that, and I can't tell the story right like it's supposed to be. But anyhow, I said, w- w- Captain, will you let me know where it is that the ship went down that my family was on? When they got to that certain place, the captain called him and said, Sir, it's right here where your family's buried. It's right here somewhere in this area. And he sat down and, re- and penned the words, Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now I'm found. I was blind, but now I see. You see, he could sit there and he could have sulked and moaned in and, and the place where defeat came, where the tragedy had once came. But when he got to that place, he thought about the victory that God gave him. You see, it's like Job looking at the end of his life and when he got to the end, how that he said that, that the Lord doubled up everything that he had given him to. And if you get, get to figuring that he gave him the same amount of children that he had and the same amount of sons and daughters that he had, and, and he said that the Lord had doubled up everything. How in the world could he say that when he didn't double up everything? Well, he, what, he, what he knew, that, that he hadn't lost him seven children that he had before. He hadn't lost him seven. They were in heaven. He still had them. They were still his. He got God gave him seven, so he had doubled all of it. You see, he didn't sulk in the defeat in the in the tried hard times, but he took those opportunities and gained victory. Instead of getting to the place in our life where that we will we'll bog down in the destructions of our life in the past, in the past failures that we had, where we fell before and fallen before, we ought to stand up and say, I'm going to rise here now. A defeat's not an option. Past failures won't stop me now. But I'm going to go forward. I've got powerful foes, I know. But they're not going to stop me now. I'm not going to settle. I'm going to go ahead for God. I'm determined that I'm going to live for the Lord. Anybody have trouble living for him? Those of you that say you don't, please get with me after church because I need to know your secret. I sure do. What we got to do is quit, quit, quit dwelling on the place and in the place 
where we suffer defeat so many times. You see, the children of Israel were charged to get up and out of the ashes they had been mourning in and face this battle with faith that God had given them the victory already. After arising and defeating the enemy, here's the good thing. After arising, Brother Philip, and defeating Ai, they would never face them again. They never faced Ai again, Brother Mike. They never had to deal with it again. But they had to rise up and they had to face it. You got problems? You got things that, that, you, that, that haunt you in your spiritual walk with God? You got problems that, that keep you at bay from the Lord, keep you from advancing in your spiritual walk with God? The problem is that maybe you never faced that problem. And you've never faced it head on and said, I've got a problem here I've got to deal with. You'll continue to have that problem until you deal with it. You'll continue to have it. The Bible said in verse number 8, he said, he told, Joshua told him that, that ye set the city on fire. The destruction that, of those past failures. Joshua said, I want you to set them on fire. You destroy them. You get them out of the way. They've caused, a, they, they've caused you harm and they've caused you hurt. But we're going to defeat them here today. They're going to be destroyed. They're going to be defeated with determination. Number four. I want us to look. He said we're going to arise with, with, with discipline. Verse number 10. Look with me in the Word of God. Joshua rose up early in the morning, numbered the people and went up, he and the elders of Israel before the people of Ai. If that had been modern day Baptist folk, they wouldn't have started till noon. At least nine or ten, right? Early in the morning thing, boy, we, uh-uh, no. Joshua rose up early in the morning. He rose up early in the morning because if you ever, you say, preacher, I believe you're just pulling something out of the air. If, if, I, if I was, then, then we wouldn't find where that Jesus rose way before day. That he rose way before day and he got with God. He was disciplined to that. One of the greatest tragedies in our Christian life is that many of us live without discipline in our spiritual walk. We'll, we'll, we'll live without discipline in our spiritual walk. I was talking this week. Y'all look at me. Y'all know I like to eat. And, and I, I enjoy it. I do. I just like the way things taste. All right? I can't help it. I just do. And I got to sitting down this past week or so ago and I got to thinking about that thing. And I said, you know what this is? It's a spiritual problem. You said, now, now many of you looking at me now and said, now preacher, you done flipped your lid. No, it happened. When I give more attention to myself and my flesh than I do my spiritual man, it's a spiritual problem. You see, when I'm eating them chicken and dumplings, you know what? I'm not feeding my spirit. But I'm feeding my flesh. Now, we've got to feed the flesh somewhere. It's going to die, okay? 
But how many of us feed our flesh more than we feed our spirit? How many of us spend more time satisfying our flesh than we do our spirit? Y'all okay? I mean, we spend way more time satisfying what our flesh wants than we do in satisfying what our spirit man needs. We got to rise with discipline in our life. He said, and Joshua rose up early in the morning. Mark chapter 1, verse number 35. The Bible said, and in the morning, it's speaking of Jesus, rising up a great way, great while before day. So Jesus went off and prayed. That a great while before day, and you can read that consistently in the life of our Lord, that consistently he got up and got with God alone. A lot of times the disciples were sleeping. When our Lord got with God, got with His Father. Now you say, preacher, but that's the Lord Jesus. Who are we supposed to be like? Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. Who are we supposed to mold our lives after? Is it supposed to be after the, the preacher? After the preacher's wife? Absolutely not. But Paul said, follow me as I follow Christ. And that's who we're to mold after. So often, God only gets what's left of our life. Anybody hear me? God only gets what's left because our flesh takes up the biggest part. God requires the first part of it. How many of you got, got, got allotted prayer time in your day? Time where you say, I'm going to get up and this is my time to pray. I'm not asking you to raise your hand. I'm not asking you to even grunt. But I'm asking you to be truthful with your spirit, man. Time that you've set aside that I'm going to pray unto God. I'm going to spend this time in, in devoted prayer to my Father, speaking to Him. Then when I get through with that time, I'm going to pick up His Word and I'm going to study and bathe myself in the Word of God. But preacher, do you realize how early I'd have to get up to do that? I'm fixing to make some of you mad right now. That's okay. Probably won't be the first time you've been mad with me, but it won't be the last if you stick around. How many of us get up way before day to do things that our flesh wants? There's a, there's a big charter fishing boat waiting on us. They're pulling out at 5, 30, 6 o'clock in the morning, and you better be there. We drop into tailgate it. 6.30 and the dogs is hitting the ground. We're hunting. We'll miss countless hours of sleep to satisfy our flesh. They got a big sale on the what is it, good, good Black Friday. Yeah. Got a Black Friday sale, buddy. You go there Thursday and you can stay up all night, bless God. Spend every dime you got. Y'all sure quiet now. It's all about satisfying our flesh, y'all. We give far more attention to our flesh man than we do. We need, we need prayer time. We need Bible time. There needs to be meditation on the Scripture. We need to have some self-discipline in our service. There needs to be strategic planning, a reading schedule. Get your reading schedule of your Bible. Get that schedule and you read it. 
There needs to be strategic planning of your prayer time. Get you a secret place and go pray. If you don't have a secret place, you need to be finding you one. Somewhere you can get along with God, just you and God, and a place where you meet with Him. You say, where would it need to be? It don't matter. I don't care. But get you a place where you get there and you go there for the specific purpose of praying and talking to God. We find that there's a self-discipline in service. There was a need for self-discipline in service. And there need, we fix to get to where the rubber meets the road again. Self-discipline in our worship. There are times you don't feel like going to church, right? Huh? <clears throat> Me too. Y'all may not think it. Y'all may think, boy, the pastor and his wife just always feel like going. Oh, they just always feel. No, we don't always feel like going. Sometimes we just don't want to go. We go. All right? We do go. There's times that I'm tired. I found out they've been more of them times lately than ever, than ever before. I'm getting older. I get tired a whole lot more. And I will have to work harder now probably than I have in several years. Remark, I get tired. My body gets exhausted. I hurt in areas I never hurt before. I'm serious, I, I do. And, and and I just don't, sometimes I don't feel like moving, Brother Joe. But I've learned this, that I have to discipline myself. I have to discipline myself to come and to be a part of the house of God. To be a part of the worship service of God. I have to discipline myself in our lives. That we must have discipline that it will say, I'm not going to forsake the assembling of ourselves. I'm coming to church. Not look for a reason to miss, but look for a reason to be there. Not look for a reason to stay home. Well, i got an ingrown toenail. and, and There's so many excuses that we think God's going to accept, but God ain't going to accept it. I'm afraid many of us are going to be, have a rude awakening one day when we stand before the Lord and give an account of ourselves, of our faithfulness to the house of God. We're going to give an account. We're going to have that rude awakening. We, our worship needs to have some form of dedication unto it. Listen, verse 30 over here in, in chapter number 8. Go there and look at verse number 30. Then Joshua built an altar unto the Lord God of Israel in Mount Ebal. Joshua built an altar. Times had been hard and they needed God when times were hard. But God had just given them AI. God had just given them a victory. And Joshua said, even though I have a victory, I better worship God. I better worship Him. God still needed. Our flesh despises worship. Y'all know that? Worship's more than just coming to the house of God and sitting there twiddling your thumbs singing Rock of Ages, cleft for me. Worship is getting your heart in tune with the God of heaven. The, for God is a spirit. And they that, what? Worship Him must do it. How? In spirit 
and in truth. It don't mean your flesh gets in tune with Him. It can't never happen. But your spirit needs to line up and get in tune with God. In other words, when they sing in those good spiritual songs, uh, hey, them psalms and hymns and spiritual songs uh, that you think in your spirit set up on the cross of Calvary, uh, your, your spirit set up on when Jesus hung there and paid the debt of sin on your behalf, your spirit say, uh, saying, you know what? Uh, he died for you. He died for you. He suffered for you. He bled for you. He died. He gave his life for you. That's part of worship. Somebody said, preacher, why do you get so excited? Because I know who I am and I know what I deserve and I thank God that he done that for me. I know what I deserve. John 3, 16. Woo, hallelujah, bless the Lord. Oh, bless the Lord, oh my soul and all within me, bless his holy name. He thought about me. He thought about me. We don't say, you, many of you, listen, God help me, and God, don't take me wrong, and I don't want to be ugly, but a lot of you never do worship. Preacher, I, I, don't, I ain't one of them get all emotional. You ain't got to. But your heart needs to be in tune with God. I'm just going to tell you, when I get to thinking about what Jesus done for me, I get a little bit emotional. I can't help it. Every time I think about him paying sin's debt that I, I couldn't pay for myself, when I think about where I come from, when I think about who I was, when I think about what I ought to be in and where I was when He rescued me, when I think about the future that I had before He stepped in, when I think about the future my family had before He stepped in, hey, I can't help but get a little bit emotional and thank God tears puddle up in my eyes, a shout come across my mouth, hey, listen, my hand fly up in the air because I know what He's done for me. I know what He's done for me. Our flesh despised it though, but when my spirit mind overturns my fleshly mind and overtakes it, I don't mind worshiping then. I don't mind worshiping. It, it may be a little bit embarrassing, a lot to the flesh at times. When you get around certain people, how many of her, how many of you don't, don't you don't have a problem worshiping when the main of us are here? You'll throw your hand there, you say, yeah, hallelujah. Yeah. But let a stranger walk in that you used to go to church with back in that old stench dead church. And you say, I want to raise my hands so bad. What are they going to think about me? <laughs> I ain't read your mail. But I know because I come from the same place. But I'm not worshiping them. And I'm not worshiping for them. I'm worshiping Him. And I'm going to stand accountable to Him one day. And Brother Mike, I don't mind worshiping the one that gave it all for me. They can think what they want to for me. I find, you know, I, 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 Brother Jacob, when, he, when I, he and I talk sometimes, he talks to everybody, and, and he don't mind debating. He'll debate the Pope. I can tell you right now, he don't bother him a bit. And uh, he's telling me this morning about what this fella had to think, what he thought about me and, and I didn't have no, I don't, I don't hardly know the fella, but I, he got an opinion of Brother Billy Ray, you know, and that's good. I'm glad he has. And uh, God help us. I'm not going to change my worship for him. 
I don't care how, how, he, how much he despises us saying amen or how much he thinks it's foolish for us to stand on the street corner and preach. I'm not going to have a contemporary Christian service and send out flyers and saying, you come as you are, wear you what you want to wear and do what you want to do and we're going to beat drums and have smoke screens so we can get your youngins in here and make them feel good about their self being in the world. And I hope they watch this. Probably need to go on. Then lastly, I want to go on. We not only need to have self-discipline in worship, but we need self-discipline in the Word. Look at verse 35. Get your Bibles. Get your Bibles. Got your Bible? I'm not through preaching yet. Don't need to close your Bible. Verse 35. There was not a word of all that Moses commanded which Joshua read not before all the congregation of Israel. With the women and the little ones and the strangers that were conversant among them. I read my Bible. I don't know how many times I've read it through. But I never had seen it. There's self-discipline in the Word. In this word, you had to be disciplined in the word, word because it had effect on different lives. First of all, he said on the congregation. That's the assembly. The word of God has an effect on the congregation. I don't need to have smoke screens to draw people to the church. Somebody said, what do you have to offer our kids? Can I tell you what I've got to offer your kids? I can offer them the King James Bible. Uh, from lid to lid. I, we may not have the, uh, the, the, all the programs and everything that, that, that everybody else has. And, and, and I'm, not, I'm not worried about that. But I can offer them the truth. And I can offer them the Bible. The Word of Almighty God. Hey, listen to me. That's what's going to change them. It ain't going to be the, uh, the, 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 the Knights of Columbus or anything like that. It's not going to be. It's going to be the Bible. The Word of God. Not only did it say for the congregation, but he said for the clan. Notice this. The women and the little ones. They needed it too. It wasn't just the congregation, but the women and the little ones, the clan, needed the Word of God. Your family needs the Word of God. Your children need the Word of God. Your wife needs the Word of God. Hey, listen, you need the Word of God. And it needs to be important in your life. There's not a one in this building. Uh, brothers and sisters, listen to me. If I could drill anything into you right now, there's not a one of you that does not need the Word of God. You let somebody stray off from God or get out in left field and get away from God. There's one thing I can tell you they're not with at faithfully at that time. They're not dealing with God's Word at all. You can't be in God's Word and get out of church. <laughs> You're just not going to do it. Anytime you've ever gotten out of the will of God, gotten out of church, you can say you've gotten out of the Word of God too, haven't you? Yeah. The congregation, the clan. But look here, he said also there were some strangers. What he said, he said in the strangers that were conversant among them. I wonder about them, them strangers. About them strangers. They were... You know, when the children of Israel, the word, let me just go ahead and tell you this. The, the word stranger in the Hebrew is the word ger, G-A-R-E. 
And the definition for that word, listen to this, it's those that lack an inherited right. Those that lack an inherited right. Who needs you to be in the Word of God? Those that lack an inherited right. Y'all following me? Those that lack an inherited right need for me to read and preach the Word of God. Faith cometh by hearing. Hearing by the Word of God. How shall they hear without a preacher? And how shall they preach except they be sent? Still need the Word of God. Listen to me. Hey, please listen to me. Your children need the Word of God. Your lost children need the Word of God. They don't have an inherited right yet. But they need to hear the Word of God. Seth wasn't saved when he was 14 years old. Heather was saved when she was 11, I think, wasn't she? I don't reckon there was a Sunday after Seth got out of the hospital, after he broke, after he broke, we had that car wreck, I don't reckon there was a Sunday or a Wednesday, hardly very many, that we wasn't in church. Now, I didn't do everything right, y'all. And I didn't make a hundred in every area. But there's one thing I did. I kept them on the church pew. And they heard preaching. And they heard the Word of God. And they heard about Jesus. And finally one day, the sweet Holy Ghost of God passed by their way. And faith cometh by hearing. And hearing by the Word of God. And faith cometh by hearing. And hearing by the Word of God. Because what they had heard. Because what they had heard. The faith that they had gained from hearing the Word of God. They was able to place their faith in Jesus. Because somebody preached unto them. The Word of God. Many times we got to rise up, y'all. You say, preacher, you know I failed in my children. You may have, but you can't dwell there. Instead of allowing those, that in, those lifestyles to influence our life, those that have no inheritance, we ought to be influencing their life. Instead of allowing them and the things that they do in their life to influence your life, we need to be influencing their life. For years, for years, it comes this time of year, summertime, when I was raising, we were raising Seth and playing ball. He'd come all-star season. They'd select him to the all-stars. And they'd say, we're going to leave on the such and such date. We're going to be Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. I said, count us out on Sunday. What are you going to do on Sunday? It ain't going to hurt him to miss one Sunday. I said, never do know. That may be the day the Holy Ghost comes where he's at. And that may be the day the Lord shows up and, and, and he might need to get born again. One of the greatest blessings I've seen was this past year. This past summer. Maze has come up to the age of where Seth was now. I've seen Seth down out in the middle of a baseball field. And look at other grown men in the eye and say, count us out on Sunday. He's all-star. He made the all-star team. Count him, count us out on Sunday. They said, uh, two or three more coaches stood up and said, count us out too. 
count us out too. We ain't going to be there on Sunday either. Finally, they said, we'll just forfeit the Sunday game if we get there. Thought about, I can't help but tell you, that I thought about times that I felt like I might have been depriving him. Felt like I might have been failing him. I know he was lost, and he was a 10, 11, 12-year-old, 13-year-old boy, and he, he wanted to be there. I said, son, you can't go. I know, Daddy. I know. But it didn't stop him from wanting. <laughs> but now I stood this day, and I watched him do the same thing, make the same decision for his son, who his son has already professed to know the Lord, and said, Papa, I don't want to play. I want to go to church on Sunday. Sometimes you got to arise from the defeat, take a stand, and gain the victory. You say, preacher, I've messed up already, though. The good thing about it is if you'll confess that, God won't remember it anymore. You ought to set your affection on getting your young and saved. You ought to look for a reason to be around God's people and be at the house of God. You ought to look for a cause to be at a church meeting where they can hear the gospel message preached and get under Holy Ghost conviction and get born again. You see, I remember the day I'll be honest with you, when a good majority of y'all in here, Doreen, I remember the night you got born again. I remember the Holy Ghost coming to where you was. Philip, I remember that phone call that day when you called me as a lost man. I remember that. I thank God for the opportunities. Well, Mark, I remember the night taking you to the altar Watch as you come up there to me. Brother Troy, I, I know me and you prayed, and, but I remember preaching to you before. I remember all those times. God has blessed Listen, God's blessed. There's a job for y'all to do now. Sure, you may have failed. Sure, you've fallen. Sure, you've made mistakes. But don't dwell there. You've got two and one more coming that needs a daddy. It's got his heart set on God. But Mark, you've got this many now. that need you and Sister Kayla with your hearts set on God. Oh, you've got failures. Made mistakes. But it's not God bringing that back to your mind. And others may do it, but that's just the devil. God's saying, set your mark on things and come on. Plow a straight line. Don't look back, Brother Philip. That precious little old baby girl right there. Isaac, Zachary, Connor, and even Caitlin. They still, they still need daddy. Got two that's grown, but they still need daddy. They still need to see daddy pulling the plow straight. Brother Dean, you still need to see you pulling the plow straight. I know you're pulling it alone now, but you're not alone. Need to pull it straight, brother. They may not think they're watching, but they're watching. You got to pull straight, brother Derek. I could go around and call everybody's name in this building. I know you fall, fallen. I know we failed, but rise up beyond those failures. Forget about it. Ask God to help you. And set a mark 
and pull the string. And you come to communion. I don't know your heart this morning. This may not have been nothing to nobody. But it sure helped me when I studied it. Because I've made some bad failures in my life. And I've beat myself up time and time again for my failures. But the stupid thing is that sometimes I've made failures the same failure twice. You ever done that? That's when you get stupid. We don't have to do that. Confess your faults. Confess your sins. He said he's faithful and just to forgive us. Then make a make a, a, a sure effort not to go back that way again. Who will stand up and say, I want to do it right. I want to pull it right. I want to pull it straight. I want my children to see Jesus. Father in heaven, bless the message today. Cleanse it of my errors, God, and my mistakes. And use it, Lord, so you can get glory from it. I will. Sorry, God, for every failure. God, would you help us today? In Jesus' name.